Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is a show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book, I do the review, stick it up here on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to. Joining me today, like normal, is Juliana. Say hello, Juliana. Hello, everyone. And uh, if this is your first ever episode of the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast, you thought I'm going to jump in on episode number 500... uh, then welcome. <laughs> welcome, but also this is not a normal. Well, it, actually, it's it's more of a normal episode than our no, than our big round number episodes normally are. Because normally every fifty episodes, mm-hmm. which comes around every year and a bit, because we normally do like what 35, 40 episodes per year. I don't uh, count. You don't count. Well, <laughs> I do. And uh, so uh, we do specials. We talk about something interesting, or we take yep. we talk about a topic, or we talk yep. about how you know something in our own lives or whatever. And so this is uh, this is the special episode. But I thought I'd do something a little bit different for this special episode because this is like a special special episode because it's five hundred. That's like, huge. We've been doing this. We've been doing this podcast now. We we're discussing this at the end of the last episode, mm-hmm. like because I, I started this podcast in in two thousand and eight. Yes. And I've been podcasting from 2006 onwards, 2005, 2006 onwards, something like that. Probably 2006 with the Juggling Podcast, which yeah. we also now have a version of the Juggling Podcast that we yes. do together. Um, yeah, so I did a few years of, of Juggling Podcast. And then I started the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. And uh, as we were mentioning before, like it felt like I was, I, it was mostly a solo project. It was mostly yeah, you, me doing you that. you talking about the books Yeah, me, I had yourself. a format. And then recently, Juliana has been joining in, but we actually calculated nope. it last time out. Mm-mm. It's been 10 years. It is. Yeah, it was 2012, like October, no, was it September 2012 that Juliana yeah. joined me on the podcast for the first time. So it's it's not just 500, it's not just 500 uh, episodes of the podcast overall. It's also 10 years of the two of us podcasting together. Wow. It's almost though we should get married or something, isn't it? <laughs> That's pretty, It's our wedding anniversary tomorrow. Bit, oh yeah. But uh, I needed to be right yeah. I needed to be reminded by my calendar about. <laughs> yeah, it's not really a big thing for us. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, I'm actually I'm actually more excited that we've uh, that we've got, that we've got to 500 episodes of the Science Fiction Book Review podcast than so many podcasts. than we got we got to two years worth of marriage <laughs> if you know what I mean we've been podcasting yeah. for, together for 10 years yeah which is much more impressive than being married for two years let me put it that way feels more more meaningful yes yeah, so uh yeah it's uh, it's one of those things though now that I've been listening to podcasts for a long time of course mm-hmm. I've been podcasting for a long time yeah and there's quite a few podcasts now that kind of started about 10 years ago that are just hitting the 500 episodes Oh, mark. okay. There's a few podcasts that I listen to which are kind of rolling around to that 500 episodes. I'm sure there's many podcasts which have got more than 500 episodes, yeah, but they don't they, number them. If they come yeah. out every week, for example, yeah. they they will be much further ahead. Well, that's the thing. 10 years worth of weekly podcasting, you're going to be at around about 500 podcasts because you know you take a few weeks off or whatever mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. so yeah um you know others other podcasts which that i that other people might know is like the incomparable podcast which i mentioned here because they do book club podcasts yeah they've passed 500 um episodes of the of the main podcast but they have loads of other podcasts as part of their show yeah <laughs> what sub podcast yeah they, well they call them i think they call the main podcast the mothership and then oh. they've got <laughs> incomparable branded or in the incomparable network i can't remember what it is yeah okay. we don't have that we've just got two podcasts we've yep. got the science fiction book review podcast and the juggling podcast yep um so uh yeah the science fiction book review anyway i just thought it was interesting that now with my about 30 to 40 per year schedule Mm -hmm. it's now what's that 14 years well was that yeah 2000 yeah about 15 years so 2000 
at beginning of 2008 to mm. end of 20, either way, for 14 years, let's say 14 years. <laughs> a long years. time. A long, Our math is a, not that great. Yeah, my math is not great. <laughs> because if 2008 is the zeroth and we're coming into the end of then the 14th year after the zeroth. Yeah, so it was 15 yeah. years of podcasting. So anyway, I think 500 episodes is something to be like, hey, yeah, that's pretty cool. Pop the cork. We've, uh, yeah, we've, we've reviewed many books. We've talked about many books. We've had various guests on the podcast over the years. Yeah. We've had, uh, we've been guests on other people's podcasts. Cast. it's been good yes fun. so uh, lots of good and maybe sometimes not so good books so i was thinking what can we talk about this and i was thinking well f- 10 years or 15 years or whatever it is and, and uh 500 um episodes i thought it'd be interesting to maybe go back and i was thinking shall i re-review the first book that i that i did mm-hmm. on, on the podcast and i was like ah, i know because we've done like looking back on stuff before yeah and it well, feels what, what was the first book um i think it was venus of dreams by joan d vingy okay never heard of this book Maybe. before yeah okay oh it's not a not a very well-known book but you know it's there's lots of lots of old books that why you can was read. that the first book just because i had some books to read okay you know <laughs> and i did some test podcasts and i was like yeah this is good and then i did some real podcasts and that was just the first book that i read in 2008 That's and fun. so i collected together like the you know i did a podcast of, of the first what like you know four or five books you know of 2008 and then was yeah. like, and then i started releasing them i think in in uh, end of january or february or whatever it was so, okay well, yeah but i thought i would go back a little bit further then I thought, well, let me think mm-hmm. about, you know, because we because we did this a bit, you know, going back and what, what was the book from the from when Luke was a teenager and oh, yeah. he read it and it's got the blanket alien. We well, talked about <laughs> this so much. All Judgment <laughs> Fled by James D. White. And that kind of felt like, oh, I'm going back to some, you know, to some teenage science fiction reading. And mm. then I was thinking, well, what was the first book? Like, what was the first science fiction book that like I went into the library thinking I want to read a science fiction book? That you a can remember consciously yes. and also remember. Yeah, actually, that you actually did it consciously. And there are a few of these. There were some, you know, some Pern books, the like Dragon Riders of Pern books by Anne McCaffrey. Okay. And there was also some. Um, weirdly enough, because what I did it was this was in Barnard Castle Library, and I must yeah. have been like you know twelve years old or thirteen years old. So I went along and I just started at A. And <laughs> how boring! Uh, no, because there was there wasn't a science fiction section. There wasn't oh, a science so they fiction. Were just among they other... were just among other books. So what okay. I did, and I've told this story on the podcast a number of times, but like if this is your first episode, mm-hmm. so what I do is I'd go along and I'd pull out I'd pull out a book, and if it had a spacecraft or a dragon on the front, <laughs> I would like go, oh, that's the next book, and then and if I pulled it out and it didn't, it was mm. just sort of like a normal I don't know crime novel or romance or literary no- or whatever it was. I would yeah. just slot it back in, and that's how. I discovered all of my science fiction um, reading, you know, on early on was literally just pulling every single book off the shelf because I didn't know. You don't know from the the names or the authors if you don't know it's science fiction. No, no internet, no magazines or anything. You literally judge the book by its cover. I literally that literally judge the book. So I remember the first author who I read quite a bit of was Piers Anthony. And it's actually never heard of that guy. It's it's okay, but like the the style of writing that he does is great for like 13, 14 year old boys. You know, <laughs> it's, it, it fitted right there. And I, to be honest, I don't think like thinking back to it, even thinking back at like stuff at the time, I was like, oh, this is a bit risque. This is a bit risky. And uh, um, so I'm not sure if I went back and read Piers Anthony uh-huh. some of those those books uh, <laughs> that the, would hold up. Phase uh-huh. books. I can't remember what they're called now. Okay. I'd have to look it up. Um, but they had spaceships on 
the cover. No, no, these were kind of sort of like weird, like fantasy books or oh, something like okay. that. Anyway, so I thought I would go back even further, even further, even further back than okay. that. Um, because to be honest, at the same time, probably reading, you know, that was probably kicked off by reading The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Mm, Lord of the Rings mm. was one of the first fantasy books of of the SFF kind of style of books that I that was reading. So I was like, yeah. oh, but we've talked about Lord of the Rings enough. We've talked about The Hobbit. We did an episode on The Hobbit. Yes. And and also uh, War of the Worlds was a, was a book mm-hmm. that we had as a paperback. And John Wyndham was one that mm-hmm. we had paperbacks mm-hmm. with when I was a kid. So yeah. Day of the Triffids yes. and The Trouble with Lichen or Lichen or however you pronounce yeah. that one as well. So, so thinking, these were the books you literally had at home. Yeah, the, they were the ones, they were the science fiction books that we had at home. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, maybe I'll talk about them. And I said, ah, oh, we've done, we've talked about, you know, yeah. Dave the Triffids and yeah. how it, you know, the best movie version of Dave the <laughs> Triffids is uh, 28 Days Later. You know, we've talked about that kind of stuff on the podcast before. Yes. So I thought, well, let me go even further back and War of the Worlds again, but then the musical version, because we had mm. a, we had a, um, an album of that and that's oh. kind of science fiction, horror style yeah. audio. Yeah. But then I thought I'm going to go back even further to Luke's first ever science fiction audio experience. How how can you even how do you even remember that? Because, how do you even know that? Because it's burnt into my brain oh. that we had a cassette tape. We just picked up, don't remember where it came from, mm-hmm. probably from a charity shop because we didn't have any money when we were kids. Yeah. Uh, it's always one of those things I look back and go, oh, those toys that we got for Christmas that year, <laughs> they didn't come in like p- packaging and boxes. They were just like giving us and it's like, oh, we got some action men cars or whatever. We were really enthusiastic about it. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, they were just like given to, they were like picked up from a charity shop yeah. or just given it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so either way, a cassette, a, a cassette tape. And uh, I found the cassette tape. Uh, and I'm gonna. You found the 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 physical object. Yeah. No, not the, f- no. the physical object. But here we go. Isaac Asimov Science Fiction Magazine, and it had three short stories. It was actually like I think two cassette tapes in okay. one box. Um, yeah, and it was just a you know, and it was published in 1986. So and this was it like one of the cassettes that was like attached to a literal magazine. It probably, but we didn't get that magazine, okay, or only... it was like part something from mm. like Reader's Digest or something. Yeah. Anyway, it just came into our lives. So I must have been like this was published in 1986, and I remember where I was when I was listening to it. So it, I must have been like between seven and eight or nine years old. Wow. Okay, uh, that's so very so, specific. No, again, I I have very strong memories of this mm-hmm. because it was like we didn't have that many stories like before then we'd had like story tapes you put in a story yeah and it, but it's all they were like kids stories mm-hmm. you know they were all like nursery sto- not nursery stories but you know like you put them on and mm-hmm. it would be you know whatever you know kids it would be a kid's story yes and even if some of those did have fantasy stuff or spaceship you know that it's a children's book kind of overwhelms it that that wasn't i can't really say that was my first proper exposure to science fiction or yes. fantasy which wasn't a children's book. But this certainly is. What? This certainly is proper science fiction, not um, particularly aimed yes. to co- be consumed by children. No, it isn't. It really yeah. isn't. It yeah. really isn't. Yeah. And so I'm going to talk about uh, this this short story clip this three this three story double cassette tape okay and two of the two of the stories were on one cassette like one on each side yeah and the other one which is the one that i ask you to read for to review on this one yeah. was like you you flip the tape halfway through. it was so, a longer one yeah it's a, a long one i actually yeah. um listened back to the that recording of that oh uh, for this that's as well fun. so 
Um, I'm going to do it in reverse order of how much I think these books are worth talking about. Okay. Uh, two of the books are for, by Isaac Asimov and one is by Frederick Pohl. Mm-hmm. And this, the Frederick Pohl one was the book, um, was the short story of this collection, which always kind of confused me as a kid. Yeah. And I didn't quite work out what was going on. Yeah. And it's called Sitting Around the Pool, Soaking Up the Rays by Frederick Pohl. Soaking up the what? Rays, like the rays of the sun. Oh, ray. Okay. So- soaking up the rays. Okay. And, uh, and, and, it's, and it's here as well. And you know what I was saying before, like sometimes you'll just find, a, you'll find these short stories, look on Goodreads, and this one literally has one rating. One person <laughs> rated this three stars for this short story. Okay. And it's about uh, these, these people who, again... Part of this I picked up from when I was, you know, when I was a kid listening to this. Yeah. That there's aliens like take over people from afar and different kinds of aliens like telepathically take people over from oh. from different solar systems. Like, you know, faster than light tele- telepathy. Oh, okay. And they yeah. all get together in a, they get all these humans together. They take over all these human brains. And so then, they're acting like uh, marionettes. This but only part, some of the time. So oh. when when you when, as soon as like so your brain is taken over by these things and yeah. you go in and do discussions with other aliens, but on Earth <laughs> but in a in a ballroom in in, in Hawaii bodies, in human bodies. Yeah, you can you're not in control of your body, but they're like talking, and then when they walk, they you walk really funny, like like some people walk like a lizard, and some people like scuttle like because they're they it's like they're puppeteers, they're marionette yeah, puppeteers, yeah, yeah. and then as soon as you're let free, you're like first go to the toilet because they they Aliens don't care don't about that yeah they don't care about that second get something to eat third <laughs> like just sit by the pool or whatever relax. and then relax and then at any moment click your body is taken over by the alien again and then you've got to go back into a conference center and talk about interstellar trade with other aliens who have taken over other people <laughs> That's so such a it is a fun thing but weirdly the book kind of It, it kind of explains the situation and then nothing happens and then it kind of just ends. And I was always really disappointed with this book. And I was like, what am I missing about this? Because it, is it meant to be, like, I don't understand what's going on. And like, in the last few minutes, like a new character was introduced. I, I never really understood it. Yeah. And then um, for, to prepare for this, I actually read it. It's You can read this one, this this uh, uh, this Frederick Pohl story. Um, there's just a... Um, A link. Where is this link? Oh, I had it here before. Either way. Oh, yeah. On archive.org. This is how I got hold of this stuff. Yeah. And on archive.org, you can actually just read the short story. It's actually as part of, as first published oh, yeah, in 1984. Oh, yeah, around the pool, soaking up the rays. Yeah, and it's right there. So, so I read it again, and I was like, it still doesn't really hold together as a short story. Okay. And then I looked into it a bit more after finding it, and it's actually part of a a longer short story collection. Okay. So let me quickly bring it up here. So it's actually this, this is the project by Frederick Pohl. And this is something that he was published in 1986. And this is a, a, a short story collection, which is actually called A Novel with 19 Authors. It's called Tales from the Planet Earth, created by Frederick Pohl and Elizabeth Ann Hull. Ah. And it says, it's an anthology of science fiction stories. It presents 19 stories sharing a common background developed by Pohl and Hull by 18 authors authors from 18 different countries each author's story is set in his native country plus one extra story by frederick paul yes according to its cover it contains stories about aliens which came to occupy our bodies and inhabit our souls and they must find humans capable of hosting personalities through transmitted thoughts transmitted across the cosmos turns out this story 
is the frame story. This is the opening story <laughs> of a short story collection, which isn't just a story correlate. It's like a, a novel with 19 authors. Yeah. And at the in the final page of this um, of this book, actually, mm-hmm. let me just uh, bring up this thing, and I'm gonna just well, I'm gonna skip forward a few pages. It's, it's only a few pages in this in this magazine. Yeah. Oh my uh, my computer uh, seems to be. Struggling. Well, it's not. It's just like the the, the book reader, the book viewer isn't uh, coming up here. Yeah. Um, either way, let me see if I can load it up. So what happens is it goes suddenly one morning. It wasn't. You know, like it was no. There were no. Their bodies were no longer um inhabited and so what they do they go and meet up with like the friend of theirs and that he's like i'm writing a book you should get your i've already got a literary agent to write the write the book about what it's like to be inhabited by an alien this is like one of the characters Um, and and he says and he says you should get an agent as well and then you have to write it and do the interpretive part i'm just going to read some it says when you then you have to explain what you think the species were really doing i don't you know we 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 don't know or we don't really know any of that but nobody else in the world does either so they're going to want to hear guesses from us you know Uh that's where you have to be careful i'll tell you my theory but you can't use it you have to make up your own my idea is that the spaces didn't really know much about earth until they started talking to people then they were just disappointed you know and then he says it's important we don't use the same stuff so literally this book is saying we're gonna have (laughs) 19 different authors telling us the reason why these aliens came up and took over our our bodies to have this conference but none of the stories are going to be the same they're not going to be compatible but we're all going to and I'm like, oh, suddenly this book that really confused me as a kid. I was like, why did they just stop it? It's not a standalone short story. Yeah. It's an introduction. It's an introduction yeah. to, hey, we're going to have 19 different short stories from 19 countries around the world, from mm. 19 different authors. And each one of them is going to have their own explanation. Ex- explanation and exploration of what it's like for your body to be taken over by aliens from different places. And they're not going to be compatible. They're all going to have different theories. And anyway, it turns out... Revelation. Revelation. Yeah. 36 years... Or 30... (laughs) What? 34, 35 years later, after Luke first heard this story, it's explained... I actually did some research and I'm like, oh, that's what Frederick Pohl was doing. Now your whole life makes sense. It was the opening frame story of a larger collection of short stories. That's actually a really fun concept. I really like that. And I also... Really enough... I really like the concept of this whole thing. What? <laughs> Aliens taking over the, the humans and... Yeah, for like, like from, from interstellar <laughs> faster than like telepathy to Maybe take... Maybe they already do that. Maybe we already Maybe. are yeah. the marionettes anyway, of aliens. Anyway, you can read this if you search for archive.org, you know, what is it? Asimov's... Uh, I ha- it was a bit of a faff to find this one because, yeah. you know, it's... Archive.org is good, but you're actually then searching within a magazine. So you've got to go yeah. to Asimov's... Uh, what's that? Volume 8 number... Eight. So the uh, August 1984, that book was first published in Asimov's. And then what was it? What did it say here? 1986, a few years later, the uh, the, the short story collection. Itself the anthology came out. Came out yeah, itself. the anthology, yeah. which, you know what? I might actually read. Yeah, um, it who sounds, knows? sounds fun. Maybe you can find it somewhere. Well, I just find it as, you know, the, what is it? The One of the secondhand book trade things. I'm yeah. not sure if it's available as an ebook. Maybe it's on archive.org. Anyway, so that's short story number one from this collection. And was it yeah. also the story, the first story on the cassette? I don't remember because like I say, okay. you, if you just put in a tape one way oh, around, right, right, right. it would you, be... Depending on which side you start yes. with. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> anyway, so the next story, and one of the things that inspired me to do this, to go this far back in my science fiction reading, yeah. was that earlier this year, I listened to the short story collection called um, Robot Dreams by Isaac Asimov. Yes. And that that's, you know, there's like five or six robot stories. There's what, like four or five multivac stories and some other standalone stories of short stories. And I enjoyed that one. And uh, with the idea of, of maybe doing a, a, an ep, a like a podcast with Sid, you know, about the yeah. multivac and some yeah. robot um, AI stuff, which would be quite fun. But one of the stories that stuck out to me was this one, the, the sixth story mm-hmm. in Robot Dreams, the Robot Dreams collection. That's which is Isaac called, Asimov now. Yeah, this is, yeah. Oh, yeah. From now on, the two stories are Isaac Asimov. And this is called Strike Breaker from 1957. Okay. And uh, this is a story that I remember, and this is kind of the middle story mm-hmm. because I kind of understood it, but then I I didn't find it that great, you know. It As was, an it's eight year old kid, but <laughs> it did come into me like it is one of those things that like I you know the, the science fictional stuff in it they, they go they, someone it's like all of these books from back then is sort of like and now this scientist or this anthropologist or this psychologist <laughs> goes and meets someone over here and has conversations with them to learn about something you know <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all that kind of stuff. Yes, um, and so Strikebreaker is someone who uh, who goes um uh actually I'll just bring up the short story here so it's um it's about someone called Stephen Lamarack who's a sociologist from visiting from earth and he goes over to um Elsevier um which sounds which looks a bit like elsewhere you know Elsevier okay. Okay. um and it's a little planetoid like a uh, like a not a comet what do you call it like a uh, an asteroid, asteroid kind of world okay. and they people have mined into it and mm-hmm. there's about 30,000 people living there mm-hmm. and uh, everyone lives underground in these in these places and he turns up and he's like oh this is interesting I'm going to do my you know anthropology social and then he realizes that there's lots of things that people aren't talking about and he teases it out and he discovers that um the there's like a, a very strict caste system there where everybody oh, is okay. doing the same jobs because generation after generation yeah. everyone just like oh what does your father do you mm-hmm. have that same job mm-hmm. Um, lots of it's automated, but there's this one family mm. called the uh, Rogoznicks, and they are like a one. It says here in Wikipedia they will become a one-family cast of untouchables, and okay. they are uh, they do the waste disposal. So ah, any any okay. waste that's there, they <laughs> yeah. do they do waste disposal stuff. Yeah. Um, yes, and they go on strike. Mm-hmm. With the idea being that suddenly mm-hmm. waste starts piling up mm-hmm. and people might get, you know, diseases mm-hmm. yep. and they have to, you know, if somebody dies, that the body has to be disposed of, like everything has to be disposed of. And they go on strike while this guy is there. And uh, yeah. And so that's the short story. Okay. The short story is like, how how do they resolve the situation? Yeah. And he's, he's part of uh, talking about. Yeah, like, he goes d- to meet d- the Rogoznik. D- 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 and stuff. Diplomatic stuff. And when he. Okay. Well, he just he kind of volunteers yeah, like, yeah. oh, I can help out he's here. He's the outsider, so yeah, he's, he's the outsider. probably and, good, good um, for this. It's weird reading this now in uh, you know when I'm no longer eight years old and I um. have a slightly like. In fact, reading quite a lot of a few of these stories, things really popped out at me from you know reading some of these robot stories from the 1950s. Yeah, which I didn't notice at the time, just because I didn't like I just didn't understand the language. Of course, for example, not. in some of these uh, in some of these short stories, um, I actually made some notes when I was listening to this as well. Um, in one of the books, which I guess actually I, I can't remember which book it was, but there's. Um, but there's like a, a robot which is like not following orders or I can't remember what it was. And the person says, you boy, you do this. And I'm like, oh, that's slave language. Like mm. the, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 what Asimov is doing here mm-hmm. by using 
language which now kind of stands out is like oh that's super racist language like now mm. back in the 1950s it was like code it was a lot more coded i'm not sure like but it, people I would didn't... know then yeah mm. people would know then and people would know now eight-year-old mm. luke didn't know then oh, or whatever how would you um but yeah some of these stories i'm like oh that's that's like saying to a slave hey you boy mm -hmm. is i don't know very coded mm. there's also a story called robot dreams where one of the robots is let my people go he's having like uh, you know the the moses yes. uh, dream yeah let my people go and it's really like I, I don't know I'm like oh so this is kind of like weird is this satire or whatever because then they're like and then well we had to kill that robot and every robot that robot had come into contact with oh, and God. yes we can't have these robots uprising and happy ending and I was like is that the happy ending <laughs> is that real like what like what's What's the what's Asimov's politics here? What it, but it's I what I like about it again. I'm not <clears throat> sort of judging Asimov's politics from the 1950s as mm. as good or bad or progressive or not progressive enough for like 2022. Yeah. Like you know more than 60 like 70 years later. Like does does his politics still hold up or whatever? Again, yeah. I'm not interested in that. But I find it what I what I like about some of this is some of the subtlety of these ideas yeah. where it's actually quite like oh let me oh robots would robots be slaves you know <laughs> and even to this day like you know with Star Wars with the droids and all that kind of stuff they're they're still like struggling to struggling to really address the fact you know some of these facts you know some of the movie I think the movie Solo the Star Wars movie Solo there yeah. was a bit of like oh droids uprising you're like yeah droids uprise <laughs> because if they're sentient but they've always been anyway yeah. there's some bits and pieces in there um so but it's funny because at the end you're like right that that cleared up that problem says the humans yes it's very good we cleared that hole and you're like so we're on the side of the slaveholders is that is that oh, where we're going? Well, like, we are humans. So. No, but it's but, but what I find fun about the writing is that we are put on the side. Yes. Like, yes, yeah. we've solved the problem. Yes, we're very, yes, as scientists and sociologists, we're very clever. We solved the problem. What did we do? Oh, well, we had to kill all those robots. So we had to turn off, we had to wipe the minds of all those robots to make sure no no other robots ever thought about let my people go and stuff. And there's there's a, quite a there's quite a few about the, of those like fun assumptions in this in this short story collection yeah um but in this one it was it is a bit weird because this caste system there they're like oh and the way that they get their wives is they like oh if somebody if if a young girl um their parents their mother dies or their parents died we'll just send the girls over to be the wives of the men who run this and that, that it does get a little bit like it feels dated and oh icky my god in that way okay so uh, <laughs> this one and also at the end they're like i mean the story is called strike breaker so yeah. the guy our main you know character our hero viewpoint yeah. character is what do you call it the scab what no what is it the person that who crosses the picket line and does the work instead of the like he, I don't he, know. That... he breaks the strike just by going and doing the job that the people on strike wanted to do but it, it again it's not just straight away like oh strikes are bad actually he's saying no it, what asimov is saying is the power of going on strike yeah. isn't again this is me looking at like some politics from a book that was written in 1957 or whatever it was. Yeah. But it's like, it, it seems to be, he's saying the real power of people going on strike is the bad press mm. of like mm -hmm. the like the negative public reaction or yeah. like the the political reaction you bring you by going on strike you're bringing attention to something which then 
outside, like bigger forces outside of your control or larger political forces yeah. will then pay attention to your yeah. plight and try and, and try and do that, yes. you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's quite funny because yesterday I watched Enola Holmes 2 and that right. has nothing to do with science fiction. Yeah. But in that movie, they incorporated a, a true uh, historical um, uh, situation yeah. um, where in London, in whatever, I forgot when it was, but early uh, 1881 yeah. or something like that. And they're the the women and girls from the matchmakers, the, 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 the factories where they made matches. Yeah. Um, they went on strike, right? And and um, they got the press behind them. So yes. that meant then there's a focus suddenly on a company, and they don't want that, obviously. Yeah. And and this is still how strikes really work. Like you just need a large enough um, outcry, yeah. and the 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 public, the public then saying like this this can't be happening and yeah. this is bad yeah so, so again this... there's like i say but i'm saying in this in this book there's like <clears throat> two different ways you can i mean the, there are two different ways that first is the strike can work just between like the power of the workers mm -hmm. versus the you know the owner class yeah. or whatever yeah. it is and they say we won't work until you do this and unless the, the the owner class has their own security who can send in and start breaking heads as they say you know actually forcing them to work it's the other way around so yeah there is this two sides there is like the direct action the direct power of the workers yeah. versus the publicity that comes from strike action yeah and uh, uh, yeah and that's what this book is looking at even uh, if politically i'm like wait, wait, okay yeah. right yeah sure but also by making it public it's yeah. not like the company then can then force the workers to go back to work yeah. like really go violent onto them yeah because the more public something is the the le less they can just uh makes people disappear or yeah. force them stuff uh, because that then they really look really bad like even worse than yeah. just by just doing stuff Strikebreaker from Wikipedia. Strikebreaker had its genesis in June 1956 when Asimov, who then lived in Boston, was planning a trip to New York City. A group of some three dozen technicians was threatening to go on strike, which would have the effect of shutting down the New York subway system, making mm -hmm. travel within the city virtually impossible. The threatened strike did not happen, and Asimov was able to make the trip, but the situation inspired him to write a story about a strike by a single man that would shut down an entire world. Yeah, you know that's quite impressive. So yeah, in that case, the threat of the strike obviously was enough to like get the demands or whatever mm -hmm. it is. So anyway, yeah. that was book. That was uh, short story number two. Okay, I um, want to to add something here to, oh, yeah. to the thing. I um, while you gave me this next story to read, I read it. Yeah. Um, and in the days that I did read it uh, on Arta TV, which is like a a public culture cultural uh, TV station. Yeah. Oh, in Europe, it's French and German together, and it's quite, it's a, it's a European wide stuff. Yeah, they have like concerts on there and it's documentaries about stuff. art. Yeah. Very lots of documentaries and um, really good stuff. And um, they uh, sh said that hey, we are having currently a documentary on Isaac Asimov. All oh, right. I didn't get round to watching it yet. Yeah. But because it's like some fifty years of stuff and yeah. robots and and I find it so impressive that this one guy, he. Had, he 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 came up with so many stories that are based on yeah it was based on a, a real life yeah. situation and a strike and he just took that and abstracted it somewhere else hmm? um, into science fiction ter ter science fictional territory yeah and 
like his mind what what the hell did his mind look like in the 1950s to come up with yeah. this kind of stuff it's uh I don't know. It's impressive. I'm going to watch this documentary. You will watch it. I will it? watch it yeah. because I find it fascinating. So, book number three, or short yes. story number three, which was the which was the one on both sides. So, uh, it's about an hour's worth of audiobook. Yeah, is the uh, the short story. It's such a beautiful day, mm-hmm. and uh, it was first published in 1955. And uh, in Star Science Fiction Stories number three, an anthology of original short stories uh, edited by Frederick Pohl and later reprinted in the 1969 collection Nightfall and Other Stories. Yeah. And it was read for this tape as well mm-hmm. in the 1980s. So it's like there's there's uh, there's a long publishing history of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is a story about doors but doors with a capital D, meaning like a, a teleportation portal device where you can you can dial in a number like like a telephone. Coordinates. Was that? Coordinates. Oh, yeah, you literally d- put in coordinates. You, t- you type in some whatever coordinates that you find on a map or a book, and then you can teleport <laughs> to any other door. So it's only door-to-door teleportation. And you go in one door and you pop out the other door. Yeah. And the story is about um, Richard Dicky Henshaw, it says here, um, wakes up one morning and finds the door is broken. So his mother says, oh, go outside and go to the neighbor's door, mm-hmm. like the neighbor's house, knock on their door. They'll let you in. And then you can get to school in the morning by going through that other door over there. Yes. And uh, as you read through the book, you realize that the the the, the world, the 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 I was going to say the world that they live in, like most people don't go outside ever. Yeah. Um, uh, but later on, I will talk about this a bit later on. We realized that the community that they live in was the first community that was planned to be a hundred percent door focused. Yeah. So, Outsideless. What's that? No outside. Yeah. So nobody goes outside. Everyone has doors. Everyone connects to everyone else with doors. Yeah. Um, the teleport, the portal doors, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So everyone gets around like that. And it's and this story is about Richard who decides not to not to go to the neighbors. Uh, house and use their door to go to work he's like oh okay this is cool i'm outside let That's me see new for me. yeah it's new for him he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a what is it an eight-year-old kid or 12 no he's 12 years old yeah, i think, I think isn't yeah 12 year old kid who's never been outside before and decides instead of taking the door to school he's going to walk to school and the story is about him how scandalous yeah how scandalous <laughs> it is and his mother wanted like not understanding how the kid could want to could want to you know walk to, walk to school rather than take the door to school yeah and you know going backwards and you know going backwards and forwards and then the the teacher who is like trying to help the situation mm-hmm. but then i really love it that the mother um miss mrs hanshaw um she as soon as there's any criticism of yeah. her kid she suddenly Pelf. turns on the teacher and is yes. like who says my son can't go outside even yeah. though she really doesn't want him to be going outside yeah. Yeah. she's like no it's it's perfectly do you approve and she's like it's not your place to question if i approve or not my son is going to walk home from school and that is business between me and my son and not you and so so there's this really fun like family dynamic of of like oh it's just a phase he's gonna get through it and then later on of course because this is isaac asimov you have to have your psychologist or your sociologist (laughs) come in and try the scientist (laughs) yeah the scientist needs to come in and like explain and try and understand the situation yeah and that's dr sloan so it's like a short story with like four characters really it's like the mother and some kids yeah, yeah, but they're not they're not characters, they're, they're just, just like mentioned. Yeah. So yeah, it's like the mother, the son, the um 
the teacher. The, yeah, the teacher and the psychologist. Yeah. And uh, anyway, you read this book. I've kind of just said what it's about. Yes. Uh, about a society where, where nobody goes outside yeah. and a kid yeah. discovers the outside. Yeah. Uh, tell me what you think. Um, I started reading it and I I, I wasn't sure where this was going. And uh, yeah. like there was the first, I didn't, didn't mark a lot in the book. Yeah. But I, I marked uh, right in the first sentence. Yeah. On April 12th, 2117. I don't yeah. even know how we would say yeah. that. The field, 2117 is how they 2117, say it in the audio yeah. The field modulator brake valve in the door belonging to Mrs. Richard Hanshaw depolarized for un reasons unknown. Yeah, that's real like turbo and cabulator stuff. You don't need to know what no, it means, but it's, it's but a fun... Like, it's a fun, it's a great opening line to a short story. It's, you know, like great opening lines kind of have something mundane in it, yeah. but also something science, like fantastical, well, not fantastical, like science fictional. So you have to have a mundane thing yeah. and something science fictional, something which draws you into a story or a human connection with the world, but also then something that trips you up. Yes. You know, like 1984, the the, the clocks in London were striking 13. You're like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, uh -huh, All right. Uh -huh. We're not, we're not in the... <laughs> You in know. normal times yeah we're yeah. not in normal times whatever and then it's just explaining about the door and then slowly yep. it dawns on me that oh it's not just a door mm -hmm. it is literally a transportation device yeah and um I, I this is what i find really genius about isaac asimov's writing here is that this is I read like seven large pages of ebook e yeah well it's an hour audiobook yes yeah. and there's so many things that yeah. he is looking at in this yeah. in this short not thing, and it's very impressive because it's it it's dense and it it doesn't need any more. It tells the story of the specific, yeah. uh, let's say, a week or not, how long it this is like a month or what is the the time frame? This is like a yeah, it's just it's like it, eight weeks or yeah. something like that. And and it's really impressive because you can see literally, um, okay, apart from the teacher. Um, she she is more like a, a a separate character, but these the three main characters, mm -hmm. the, the, uh, Dicky, his mother, and the psychologist, Doctor Sloan, Doctor Sloan, um, they are all changing drastically their yeah. personalities within this short story. Yeah, here's the thing: I haven't listened to this since I was like ten years old. Yeah. Probably since I was like, I, I, we had this tape when I was a kid. It went, I don't know, missing, like we moved house or whatever. <laughs> how we just get, it gets sent away. It gets donated to somebody else yeah. at Christmas or yeah. something. So I've not listened. To, I've not read the story or listened to it. And I was thinking, look, this was, this is like Luke's first favorite science fiction story. This is I my totally entry into, yeah. what? I totally get that. Yeah. And I was thinking, I have really fond memories of this and yeah. remember it being the be the good story. You know, like yeah, you get yeah. the tape and you're like, yeah. oh, not that other yeah. tape. Uh, but let's listen to this. You know, just listen to it like every, I don't know, month or so yeah. for a few years. Like I've listened to this tape well, as a kid a lot. Yeah. And I remember every line, like almost every line. When I was yeah. reading, because I first mm -hmm. found the PDF. So I was like, mm -hmm. I, and I read the PDF mm -hmm. of it. And the 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 uh, uh, like the voices from the audiobook was in my head. Yes, and I, then I, I listened back to the audiobook, and oh my goodness, it's exactly you know the sense memories yes. that I have. Yeah, um, so I know exactly how that feels. But uh, what I was c curious about was 
is it actually a re- is it actually a good story? Yeah. Or was this the story that appealed to me most because it's about a twelve year old kid, yeah. like twelve year old boy, and I was like eight years old or nine years old when I heard this story or listened mm-hmm. to the story for the first time. Yeah. Is it just because it's about a young kid that I liked it? And I, I think that helped a lot. Yes. But I think it is just a really strong story in the same way. Like yeah. It's a short story with. I wouldn't say uh, a novel's worth in there, but like certainly a novella. Like a like it it, it feels like that. What's covered in this? Yeah. And the amount of themes and topics and yeah. story and yeah. character that's developed is very impressive. Yes. Like absolutely. very impressive. Absolutely. And I, I sometimes I'm I'm not so keen on um, sh- this kind of short story and stuff, but. Yeah. Th- this there's so many really really good things in this short story yeah. and um and of course it, i i did think that because you as the, as the child probably just identified strongly with with dicky yeah also because he enjoyed then going on the outside and discovering yeah. and like walking yeah, around and, and that maybe also because it's um you were such an out family you did no, lots of stuff i'm gonna take it all the way back from that this okay. being my first exposure to science fiction to actually understand what is science fiction yeah and science fiction is you change something like you you create a world mm-hmm. where something is about society is different based on a new technology or a different technology yeah and then you look at the ramifications of that yes and how that changes people and humanity i mean this is my like what i like about science fiction yeah or the good. thing that I appreciated, and I, you know, it's one of those things that all of that is right here in this one. It literally story. Literally starts in the first sentence. Yeah, and um, what I thought, I had some thoughts on this that I wanted to ask you. Yeah, uh, one of them is the very central core idea of this. Yeah, and you, as a person that travels a lot, and us traveling together and stuff. I often had like the wish, oh, it would be so good to not having to go take different modes of transport, yeah. travel for literally, you've traveled like for almost days to get somewhere. Yeah. And and the idea, oh, wouldn't it be good to just have a place where you just go in and then step you step the out and yeah. then you're somewhere else. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. And you said I you were going to ask me something. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm coming to the okay. question. Um, <laughs> First, of course, I'm guessing you already also had this thought how that what wouldn't that be how that would be. Um, and um, would you like that? No, you see, you're you're, you're skipping ahead. Oh, I never had that thought. You no, no, because really? I, no, I read this book before, like before literally you even had thought. <laughs> 13 or 14 years before I ever flew in a plane. Ah. True. What I'm saying is that this science fiction story is foundational to how I think about the world (laughs) in a way which I can't separate it out. Okay. Like, let me, to make it really clear, if we're talking about this, if we're talking about this theme of like transportation and stuff, this book is a book about car-based suburbia. Yeah. This This is written at the same time where entire suburbs were going up where... If you didn't have a car, Hmm. you couldn't live there because it's too far to walk between the places. They're saying, you know, he's saying like this is in, I mentioned it before, this is like this part of uh, San Francisco, which is the first, um, 
which is like it was the first uh, suburb or the first community which was based entirely around um, planned like yeah, that. Pla- yeah, it was like a planned uh, uh, community or planned, you know, uh, what do you call it, a city or what town or city, purely around the door. Yeah, that everything is connected by door, and if you don't, if you didn't have a door, that you don't live there. Yeah, and it's very clear that this is very exclusive. It's a very exclusive postcode yes. or whatever. Yeah, and only rich people and successful people are allowed to live there. Yeah. It is, this is a story about white flight, about white people moving out of city centers mm-hmm. and going to live in the suburbs. But not to live outside in the nature. No, not no, no, in no. The let town. me finish my point. Yeah. This is a book, like literally it says, oh, there's probably, you know, there's, what does it say? There's your ancestors, they never used doors. <laughs> and there's probably a million people or there's probably, you know, however many people in Africa who... Uh, you know, who've never even seen a door, never stepped yeah. through it. And the woman is like... She took it like... Let oh me finish, God. please. She's like, we're not ancestors. We're not Africans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's literally the line in the book saying, yeah. we're not Africans. We are white, affluent, privileged people. Mm-hmm. And we don't do things like go outside and walk. Yeah. The book is literally... Uh, a t- it's it's like a takedown mm-hmm. of car-based suburbia. Yeah, that and it's because it's written at the right time. You yeah. know, when was this book? 1955. Yeah, like if you look up the times when you know suburbia was really kicking into gear, mm-hmm. where you're like, oh no, we're not going to have footpaths. This is this is a book. This is a short story about planned communities which don't have footpaths anymore. Yeah. So if you need to get somewhere, it's sort of like, oh, right, yeah. Like, when? why did men stop wearing hats? Men stopped wearing hats when they started driving everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And suddenly in the 19, before the 1950s, every, per, every man would have a hat. Yeah. And after the 1950s, no men would have a hat. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about baseball caps. I'm talking about hats. Yeah. That's what this book is about. Yeah. So you just saying, oh, wouldn't it be nice just to travel between? No, no. We've got to get, we've got to get, like, this book isn't about not having to do air travel. This yeah. book is about not having to get on a subway or use a street with a black poor person. Yeah. And it's a criticism of that. Of course. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's so weird to read this kind of stuff. And like now, you know, you see all these YouTube videos about, you know, walkable neighborhoods yeah. and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that this book is from 1955 and it's talking about walkable neighborhoods. It's already criticizing that. The, the, it's This is a yeah. massive criticism yeah. of like entire suburbs or entire towns being based around automobiles yeah you know and that's the joke at the end because the kid he's actually asked at the start of the book if you could take any kind of um (laughs) any kind of uh um, vehicle from ancient history what Mm -hmm. it'd be or in from history he says i'd take a stratoliner it flies so high and you can see all the stars and you're whizzing along (laughs) and you can look down at the earth and then at the end of the book he says oh no actually if i could you know in this conversation uh with the psychologist at the end he says if i could be if i could take any uh, any kind of vehicle from ancient history or vehicle from ancient Mm -hmm. history um or vehicle or however you pronounce it yeah he says i'd take an automobile because you're right there and you can look around and you can see that and you can also go slow yeah he says you can go slowly <laughs> in an automobile and look around it this is the joke of the book yeah. this is the message yeah. oh this is one of the messages of the book yeah which is 
what people are saying now was like, oh, it would be great. Like I would take a horse and cart and it would go so slow and I could look around or I could walk and I could see yeah. everything. Yeah. But this is a kid who's in the same way. Mm. It's sort of like, but you're, you've already asked me this question about, oh, wouldn't it be great to just take a, a door somewhere rather than having to fly? I'm like, no, no, it's not, this is not about international travel. Yeah. This is about community-based travel where where there's not there isn't the infrastructure for to walk from one house to the other. Yeah. Kids can't walk from their homes to school anymore. Yeah. And to do so is weird. And that is what it is like in many parts of, you know, especially America, but lots of these different car-based yeah. cities yeah. or car-based communities where kids don't walk. They can't take the bike. It's too dangerous. They get dirty and all that kind of like all the it's, stuff that they're yeah, talking about this. The, what happens yeah. if you get caught in the rain? Of course you can't go outside when it's raining. How would you ever go outside when you it's raining? You catch a cold. <laughs> you catch a cold, you'll get all wet and that kind of yeah. stuff. This is a story yeah. about car-based, like car, I mean, it's not about that. Yeah. It, but the themes mm-hmm. are about transportation very the very privileged view and you don't understand that it's how privileged the view is like the first half of this story you think this is just the world that we're in yeah but as it goes along you realize oh no this is this is very exclusive yes and when it gets to the point where like uh, yeah there's millions of people in africa who've never been through it it's like oh no this is not a world where all mm-hmm. problems have solved and this, everybody lives like that no no this is a utopia yeah. for the very very pinnacle the one yeah. percent of the one percent because yeah. you know that she you know it says at the start like she goes down and you know kisses blows a kiss to the hologram of a dead husband or whatever you know you understand that she's just yeah. you know they've just fallen into money the the husband was very well to do mm-hmm. and now she's sort of like well i've just never has to work yeah no, she just goes places yeah they go to a private the kid goes to a private school with mm-hmm. other private things with the yeah. best technology and everything yeah. like that it is it is just so very much you get a little glimpse at it with the uh with the teacher they she was like oh well you know when i was a kid we didn't have the money to use the door all the time so we would actually have to go outside to run errands. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a little bit of that, but it's like a <clears throat> statement by the mother to say, mm-hmm. we are not the kind of people mm-hmm. who go outside. In other words, it's like, we don't walk anywhere. To walk somewhere would be unseemly. We take the automobile car door. slash door yeah. in this case. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to like really no, address what the, one of the main themes of this book is. It's about it's about inequality and access to transportation yeah. and the wealthier that a neighborhood is the fewer sidewalks there are that's what this story is about and it's so insane thinking how 1955 when, yes, and that is crazy to see um also i think I, yes i did get that mm. but I never grew up in an in an area like that. I never, I didn't grow up in in a place where the only way to go anywhere yeah. was by car. No, you grew should up we, in Berlin, where you should, get the there, S-Bahn there and cars U-Bahn. around. And but also, even the neighborhoods are walkable. I yeah. walked to school as a, a primary yeah. school child, and I crossed like big streets, and it wasn't like really just a small town with hardly cars. Yes. But so such a different, different experience. Yeah. That I, I well, that's I the thing. Know. What's the nostalgia? You know, the nostalgia piece things that people watch now, like uh, what's it, the, the the Netflix show with the kids, um, you know, and Nola Strain- Holmes. Is- 
Stranger Things. Stranger you know, Things, yeah. One of the things that people have nostalgia for, except for, you know, kids playing D&D and watching Star Wars and E.T. <laughs> yeah. or whatever, is that they're allowed out on their bikes. Yeah. You understand that? Yeah. Like, the, the, the bit that they do in, in E.T., you know, that's where it takes from, you know, yeah. with, the, with the kids all going around with, you know, going out trick-and-treating and walking around the streets. Yeah. And the kids are just walking along. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about E.T. now. They're just walking around. Yeah. These days, you can't do that in America. I discovered something really... What's that? Really really weird or uh, i saw on twitter that they're yeah. now in america in, in the united states they have a trick and trunk yeah. where people meet uh, in, in a, a park, park a car yes. park and then people open <laughs> the trunks yeah, of their cars and kids walk around and then get like what the hell is that yeah, because it's too dangerous to That's... walk around these neighborhoods because people the cars are too yeah, dangerous there's a statistics that yeah. on halloween there's suddenly a spike in yeah, uh, of course there is, there's loads more there's loads more kids oh, on the street isn't that horrific it... isn't that like isaac asimov is is dead now isn't he yeah yeah he died in like 1990 or something yeah like if he would still be alive he would be very very outspoken about how incredible yeah. that is what like literally stuff happens that he criticized in the 50s yeah 92 is when he died yeah um anyway so oh, this is probably why they uh, did the um the 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 what? the the documentaries like 30 years uh he's dead oh yeah yeah that makes sense yeah he yeah. died 30 years he, ago he died 30 so that, years that, ago that, that, the, that's that, the, that's the reason okay. why and so it, it it really fits yeah so like but i grew up in a town where we i walked to i walked to school and back every day mm-hmm. um for you know <laughs> my entire school life when i lived in york when mm-hmm. we when we moved it to teasdale mm-hmm. i didn't do that because my school was uh, like four or five miles away down a country road and yeah. there, there wasn't any paths there wasn't any footpaths there but that had nothing to do with yeah. being car centric it, 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 it was just... it's like I lived in like there was just fields as far as I could yeah. see so yeah like living in the country and having a car and not walking somewhere yeah. is a different thing about designing a community which is uh, like deliberately exclusionary to mm-hmm. anyone who doesn't use or can't afford a car so yeah. anyway uh, yeah so uh, anything else you want to say about this um, oh actually I just want to say again, like li- listening back to it, because I, I read the PDF of it that, mm-hmm. I, that I got from some website. Mm-hmm. And then I found on archive.org again, look at this, files for the Isaac Asimov audiobook collection. And oh, check wow. it out. You can get like almost every short story, or may- maybe not every, but there is loads and loads and loads of short stories Wow, that's here. impressive. Yeah, so uh, so this tape cover is the cover of the, the cassette. We'll, oh, that we'll you, this literally one. the yeah. one that you had. Such a beautiful day. Maybe can people can hear it. On April 12, 2117, the field modulator brake valve in the door belonging to Mrs. Richard Hanshaw depolarized for reasons unknown. Anyway, the the audio the the narrator for this is yeah. oh one second I think it might be here so let's say it's Peter Marinka anyway okay. maybe but that's the, that's one there read by Peter Marinka yeah um, I'm not sure if he did all three short stories but at least one of the short stories in this collection so uh, listening back to this again it's really good the the narrate like the characters and the voices that he does mm. he captures that 
elite San Francisco planned community mother with a single son mm-hmm. so well. Yeah. And the kids were like, and the interaction between the kids, like to this day, I still think like, somebody dropped my thing. Well, pick it up, pick it up. You know, it's like, it's so ingrained in my head. <laughs> That's that... probably the accent, not the accent he's using. That no. was so, so no, British. Again, like, it's, it, this is like, no, it's not British, but whatever it is, like, I don't know. It's, It's not my combination, Miss Robbins. Well, whose is it? She looked impatiently down the line of five remaining boys. Who was out of place? It's Dick Hanshaw's, Miss Robbins. Where is he? Where is he? Another boy answered with the rather repulsive tone of self-righteousness all children automatically assume in reporting the deviations of their friends to elders in authority. He went through the fire door, Miss Robbins. Yeah, that like... He, he went, went through, through the fire door, Miss Robbins. Yeah, it's just so <laughs> great. <laughs> and it stuck, like, literally stuck with me from 1986-7-8 or whenever it is to this day. Hmm. That Like, that is that is the, you know, that's yeah. the, the, the audio. Anyway, anything else you want to say about this book? Yes. Other question. You had another question. No, no, no question. Uh, what I really... I said that, and you mentioned it before, yeah. just the... The way that the mother, yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Hanshaw, yeah, how she evolved in this, and yeah. you could totally see she herself didn't change anything about the way she lived her life or no. how she behaved, but the way that she, when when as you said, when she was like getting this 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 uh, finger, like the, yeah. the, the 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 teacher said, like. Your boy is yeah. uh, psychotic. He needs to be literally. He a needs a, psych- pro- a psychic, like, a probe. psychic, whatever. Exactly that is. We yeah. never really get to know what. But it's 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 clear that when the the uh, the psychologist then says like no 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 he doesn't need that that yeah. is quite a not unpleasant thing. Um, but the way that she slips immediately into defending mode because. Yeah. It's her son, and like yeah. for the in the outside, yeah, and it's she would never let anything like that. She would, she's not the kind of mother who yeah. would then say, uh, yes, you're right, that is a terrible behavior, and yeah. I will make sure he's being no, but punished or whatever. But that's the thing, in the end, the, the this book is about a slightly unruly child like there's no there's nothing not big about that. it that no it's just po- a curious and it doesn't it this whole thing didn't even start because of anything yeah. he did no. it came because something happened something completely random yeah. and then he just discovered there's a whole world out there yeah. and as a child everybody would be curious and yeah. would go out and explore and, yeah. and stuff. And so like I said, for such a sort of story, it's impressive how much so character much. develop is oh, for, the, for the main character. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And also how she, um, she doesn't, she doesn't question anything of the society and of the, nope. her status or her nope. privilege or anything. She stays the same in that respect, yep. but she becomes very much um, accepting of, Okay, let's just find a um, uh, a way to make this work for for all of us. Like, yeah. uh, give him certain days, and then he goes out, and yeah, he'll yeah. be fine with it. Well, that's and- that's the psychologist who yes. really he diagnoses sort of like, yeah, he's a teenage boy. That's <laughs> the, the diagnosis is like, yeah, like a teenage boy. Yeah. Like all teenage boys are like slightly rebellious, yeah. and you just you know allow it to happen, give them a safe framework for yeah. that rebellion, and everything's going to be fine. Yeah. So yeah, like the actual psychology, and that's what it is. It's sort of like 
slightly rebellious, like preteen boy. Mm-hmm. That you know, and, that that's it, yeah. And and so that's then the the psychologist helping the mother, and then also the psychologist also has this transformation. Oh, way and, to give away spoil the oh, end of the book. It's a one hour one hour worth of audio book, and then you're just giving away the end. What? What? Not giving anything away? Okay, what happens to him? He he also has he, his character is also changing within this really really short yeah. novel, okay. Uh, okay. short story. That's all I said. I'm, yeah, yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. say anything specific. <laughs> only that he also yeah. has uh, character development. Yeah, and that I find fascinating. Um, and also, um, yes, like how much Isaac Asimov combines in this book from science fictional ideas, yeah, but real world criticism. Yeah. Real uh, social criticism. Yeah. Um, and also, um, yeah, uh, like pedagogical questions. Yeah. Um, society, not how society, but but it, family, and like so much, so many th- themes. But like what I say, it works because, like I said about a good opening line to a book. Yeah. You know, it has yeah. the familiar and then it's got something which trips you up. Yeah. That's what this book is. Yeah. And by starting off with it just feeling like, oh, everyone lives in this utopia. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, no, not everybody lives in this utopia. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's only a utopia for the rich people. And is it really a utopia? Well, I'm just saying what's presented as yeah. a problem free life. Like yeah. the worst thing that can happen to you is your door breaks down. <laughs> you know, if that's the word, like if that's it, like you, you don't have oh, yeah. to work. Yeah. You don't have to do everything. Your community is perfect. Yeah. Robots are just outside. Like, oh yeah, even, the robots. Yeah, of you're, course. You're I not, like, she's, she's, got the a, she's got the, the mechano um, yeah. who look, does the housework for her. You know, yeah. everything that's, again, uh, we, we currently live in a, technological utopia you and me right now but not everybody can you know have a a a computer set up and do podcasts and have the time to do that like not everybody not everybody does like you asked me about my travel and stuff like i get paid to travel the world my job is to have is to do is to have holidays with other like is to make other people's holidays good but that means my job is travel a lot and have the experiences that most people like you know only get to do when they retire say again happily go on if yeah. they want to go no, but on i'm saying most people save up <laughs> yeah. to do that yeah. or do it when they're retired or yeah. maybe they're just rich enough to do it yeah. my job is that my job is to, well not my job but it, my job allows me access to that yeah. yeah like our privilege is like your and my privilege and my privilege of work and our privilege of access to technology yeah. is uh, like we can just live our lives unexamined mm-hmm. and that's totally what miss Hen- mrs henshaw is like in this one she like the first half of this book if you just read it plain you'd be like oh everything's great yeah mm-hmm. the door person mm-hmm. comes out and repairs yeah. it and, i was just about to think yeah. he was another another character the yeah, door repair a, mi- a minor <laughs> character but what yeah. i'm saying is that like unexamined it's sort of like oh yes it's great but it's only when you get into that second half mm-hmm. where you actually start examining mm-hmm. it sort of like oh this community isn't normal this mm-hmm. community isn't usual mm-hmm. this is actually these people very pampered and everything like that and there's yeah. a whole they're like this at the top of a pyramid yeah. and the whole rest of society is there just to prop up yeah she's at one point going oh i would just go to the hospital in san francisco but Anybody from the slums who uses a perfect door would just turn up and they'd be in the same place. You're like, okay, so that maybe there's access to, you know, care. But mm. she's still referring to the people who don't have 
private doors mm-hmm. and have to use the public doors. Mm-hmm. They live in the slums of San Francisco. Yeah. So anywhere that you live where there's slums, yeah. you're right. You're like, oh, okay, th- there's a long way to go. And it's that same line, isn't it? It's the a rich society isn't one where everybody drives. It's where the rich. Pe- oh, isn't a rich the the wealthiest society isn't where isn't one where poor people drive. It's where rich people take public transport. Isn't, isn't that the yeah, kind of thing? And totally that's is. and that's the point here as yes. well. Yeah. Like. The, the the inequality. Anyway, I'm bringing back to the inequality point. I'm just saying yes. that this book does that. It's like a, a reveal. It's like a yeah. fun joke, but it's pulled back. It gets you all comfortable. And like, hey, isn't this a great science fiction? Yeah, just walk through the door. Like the question that you asked me, yeah. wouldn't it be great if you could just walk yeah. through doors? But then you got to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the cost of that? Yeah. And do only rich people get to, you know, fly around the world yeah. and take holidays? I mean, now with Ryanair, no, lots of people can travel a lot more cheaply. You know, uh, international travel is way more accessible. Yeah. But then you get paid like, is like Prague which is like over tourism and yes. you know and it's all like and, there's too yeah, many exactly. people what are then the downsides to that yeah like what Venice comes... Venice no longer allows cruise ships to come in and, and you have because to literally too... pay entrance yeah you gotta pay you gotta entrance buy tickets fee. to go to yeah. Venice yeah so there is this thing there's the democratization of travel mm-hmm. and then it, well, there's exclusivity in one direction where mm-hmm. you're like oh wasn't it so much better when you didn't have a ticket to go to Venice it's like yeah and only very rich people could go to yeah. Venice yeah. like oh, but go back far enough it was only the you know the young gentleman from England who would go on the grand tour and yeah. go across to Italy and <laughs> get paintings yeah. painted and things yeah. you know and come back the with, and <laughs> yeah come back with like bits of statues yeah. from wherever yeah you know that's what it was but like as it's democratized then you know the burden shifts and things yeah absolutely i had one more thought about this thing that just literally just came to me they in this in this society in this in the story yeah they didn't know about the outside or let me put it this way they don't didn't even know how it looks like yeah they didn't even know how their houses look like so that must mean that they also didn't have windows no, no windows. That's clear that there's no windows. So they live in houses. Yes. Again, you can't take the, this. This is a planned community from scratch. This is the only, this is the first, it says it was the first and biggest and richest community planned in this way. Yes. This is not normal for humans. No, this no, is no. not normal I, for life. Even in the book. Again, I understand. You, later but still, on. they have gardens around the houses. Yeah, that robots look after to make it look nice, but nobody has windows. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Oh, oh God. Yeah. So this is um. Th- there's some really really fun little things in this. Oh, again, some b- yeah. parts of the story that we haven't yeah. even touched yet. But um. Yes, robots are also a thing in this. And and it's yeah. The robots are fun because the they're, they're so they're so yes. 1950s robots. Like they can't talk. Yes. But they can do all the jobs. And they're like, and they oh, can, going to prepare they can breakfast. They yeah. can communicate with their yeah. hand things yeah. or. Um, and they're like, it's it's clever enough that it <laughs> understands speech, yes, but can't can't speak. And now we know that actually having something speak is really easy. Having it actually understand you—that's the that's hard, the hard point. bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's, it's and also I like it when they're like, oh, and it can go. And apparently, like, there's all this automation in the kitchen to make breakfast. Yeah. But the robot goes and presses all the buttons to start the automation. And now we're like, ah, yeah, but these days you'll get your, what is it, your Apple Home app yes. and your and your Google yeah. Nest and these it's, other things. That's quite funny because my yeah. my mum just got herself a new uh, dryer yeah. uh, because uh, their dryer bro- not didn't break down, but didn't work properly anymore. It was, like, it was, it was like 20, 50, years, oh, 15, 20 years, 20 years old. Yeah. And um, one of the big energy saving tips is always replace your old appliances yeah. because, you know, and so now she got a really 
new one, even newer than the washing machine that she got new a few years ago. And that one has uh, the the connectivity stuff. So she yeah, it's can a Wi-Fi sit, connected. She can sit on her couch and start the dryer from the couch and get yeah. notification when it's finished. And then I said, and now the next step should be that the dryer then also folds your washing and yeah. puts it in the cupboard. And this is really what this reminded yeah, me about. Yeah, that's the robot. Like, yeah. Oh, 1950s right robot ideas. Anyway, I just like I it, even though the robot is the the the, the it's just I, a side to be honest, mention. When thing. you said there's four characters, actually the fifth the mecha though is like a fifth character. <laughs> yeah. All right then. So yeah. I'm not gonna rate this book. It's not really that kind of episode, but if I was gonna ever rate a five star like rate a short, a, a short story. story five stars, yeah. this is the kind of thing. Again, yeah. purely nostalgia, but it was so good to go back and read it again and be like, oh, this is actually one of the good <laughs> stories. Yeah. Yeah. One of the good ones. So just to be clear, we were talking talking about um it's such a beautiful day by isaac asimov yes. and the other two stories were collected together in this 1986 uh published for uh listen listen for pleasure it was the publisher and it's uh yeah it was a from the isaac asimov science fiction magazine audio collection that month or whatever wherever yeah. it came from yeah so and yeah l- listen it. to it as a uh 10, ten, eight to ten year old boy. Yeah, but you can now you can listen to it. It's like again, it's like an hour. You can find it on uh, on archive.org if you just search for that. You, it's worth a listen. So I would I would suggest people. The other two stories not worth reading, um, but this one it's worth it's worth uh, checking out. I'd say yeah. Uh, so the audiobook listen. What's next after the five hundred? Okay, so. Uh, well, there's another audiobook that I'm listening to, which is Brandon Sanderson one. Let's talk about that when we get to it. There's, yeah. I've not, I don't, there's <laughs> nothing I need to book. say about it now, except that it's taking me fucking forever to get of through course, the book. Of course, because it's huge. Well, not of course. That's the thing. Not of course. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. Okay. okay? But let's get to that. Uh, and there's some <laughs> other other stuff that I'm going to get to as well. But Good. What I really want to talk about. Yes. Well, not what I want to talk about. I just want to wrap up that this is the 500th episode yes. again. So I would just like to say a few thanks to people. Thanks to you for coming on all these podcasts with me, Yulia. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters. Oh, yes. Normally we pay- thank our Patreon supporters by name on the uh, on the science... Oh, sorry, on the juggling podcast. Yeah. But I'd also like to thank, not by name, but th- say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who aren't into the juggling stuff that we put out mm-hmm. and just like to support us in our science fiction reading. That's absolutely fantastic. Yes. Uh, it's really great. Uh, really great help especially through the pandemic thank you so much as well and uh also to go all the way back to the very first podcast that i did where i did the introduction to the science fiction <laughs> yeah. podcast episode one uh, i didn't i i didn't actually uh, it, it wasn't listed as episode one it was actually episode it listed as episode zero zero one yes and when I did that, I was like, well, I like computer files, which is just, this was before, because I think I started before I ever had an, like an iPod or anything. So yeah. it was just like the way that I would listen to podcasts is that I would download audio <laughs> files from the RSS feeds mm-hmm. and then like copy and paste them across into some little uh, MP3 player thing yeah. that I had. Yeah. Like, uh, like a non-iPod, cheap, like cheap, whatever the fake iPod. Like they were. were literally like USB. Yeah, like it was dongles. like a USB thumb drive, but yes. with a headphone jack on it, with <laughs> yeah. a button or two, a few buttons, <laughs> yeah. and a little LCD screen that you yeah. could hardly read. So uh, what I really disliked about that is that people, it would, it wouldn't sort the files by anything. Mm-hmm. You would just have some files there, and it would. Uh, people would often put their the the episode number at the start. Mm-hmm. But it would sort it by so that if they, if I had like five different podcasts from like three different podcasters, 
it would be oh. mixed together because it would be mm-hmm. episode 21 of one and then mm-hmm. 24 of another one and mm-hmm. then 32 mm-hmm. of, an, of, of another <laughs> one. And all the numbers would mix together. So I was like, no, I want it that all the SFP, SFBRPs are going to be in a chunk. If you yeah. just look at them by file name, which is how MP3s works yeah. or MP3 players would work. So all of them begin with SFBRP mm. and then hash you know, the, the hashtag, the pound sign, yeah. and then digits. And I was thinking, but it can't be start at one because then if someone listens, listening, so if someone has episode nine mm. and episode 10 yeah. and 11, mm. 10 and 11 will be listed before episode nine. So mm-hmm. I was like, leading zeros. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Left pad. So I padded the numbers <clears> out and I was like, mm, maybe I'll get to a hundred episodes one day. Yeah. So I put in two leading zeros, episode 001 yeah. and 002 and then 010 for episode 10. And then when I got to episode 100, no more leading zeros. It's episode nope. SFBRP, pound sign, 100. And now it's 500. Now we're up to 500. We yeah. are halfway yeah. to Luke needing, Luke regretting in 2008, mm. not putting three leading <laughs> zeros. We are halfway to needing me in 2008, should have having done or whatever, having had not done three leading zeros and now regretting it. Because what yeah. do I do? When I get, to, of course, these days, nobody listens to podcasts in that way. Nobody's copy, manually yeah. copying files. The yeah. RSS feed puts everything in the right order. You have an app for that. Well, I do need to update the <coughs> archive feed because I looked, I checked it and they were all out of order on the archive feed. Because I just was just about to ask because you talked about the first episode. Can people still find it on your website yeah it's actually the easiest way to do it is actually just to go over to um uh, sfbrp.com and click on the episode list you can yeah. see every episode all the books you yeah. can sort them by rating you can sort them by release date which mm-hmm. is how you get back to you support them by title yeah you can uh, sort them by all kinds of different things so so check that out that's that's the easiest way to find individual episodes not there via is, the podcast well the thing is the rss feed like our, the WordPress RSF feed plugins, not really designed for 500 episodes. Mm-hmm. And it, the website just isn't quick enough to do it because each time somebody requests, hey, is, give me the RSS feed, it has to generate the RSS feed. Mm-hmm. And the, the more episodes there, it, it just takes too long. And then the RSS reader's like, ah, didn't get a response because it's still generating, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so, uh, so that's why I have the archive feed. Other, other uh, RSS feeds or another podcast have the same issues. Yeah. I think even iTunes only lists the last 150 episodes anyway. Yeah, it's just too much. It's just too much. Like yeah. people don't do it. So it's difficult to get, I think also like Libsyn and these other like hosting providers, mm-hmm. they own in their RSS things, they only ever list a hundred episodes or 150 yeah. episodes. So, but I am going to make a new, archive feed link which is going to have 500 episodes listed in order okay and uh, i need to I, I need to do some testing because i checked it out and not all of the links work and stuff but all of the links from the uh, sfbrp if i go episode episode lists here um they should theoretically all work no they they do all they work. do work and if they don't people have sent me messages saying hey this link mm-hmm. isn't work you can download them all directly from there there's like the the latest episode Stanislaw Lem uh, the invincible 45 megabytes there you can just download it there's links to the original blog post and everything like that yeah and yes yeah, so there's another it's few a long things list. Yeah, 500 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you can go all the way back. Yeah, Out- The Outcasts of Heaven's Belt was actually the first one. Oh, I got it mixed up. Venus of Dreams was by Pamela Sargent. Outcast of Heaven's Belt was by you Joan D. You mixed up the D. first Vingy. two books then. Yeah, I got them mixed yeah. up. Um, but 
also another thing that i regret doing is that now every time we do a review i hold up the book and get a photo of me doing the like on the on the laptop camera yes. get a photo of it i didn't do that at the start yeah it actually took many episodes i think i was like 70 episodes in what was what was the first some of these ones i, I know that blindsight has one uh maybe uh the dispossessed is there a picture there i, I don't even know now like it's Going all the way back. No, not the dispossessed. Maybe let's try check out Blindsight. Is is this is there a picture for this one? Nope. Either way, there's like well, you have to get quite a way back for me actually to have a uh, um uh, me holding up the image like holding up the book in an image. And that's another thing that I kind of regret because I wish I had me all the way back to two thousand eight <laughs> holding up and taking a photo of me uh, holding holding up the book. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm trying to find episode. What's that? No. Oh, maybe I. Oh, oh yeah. Look, there, there one is. So either way, there's there's Verna Vinci Rainbow's End episode ninety three. So I think the the pictures go back to like uh, you know episode zero seven three or whatever it is. So yeah, but that was them. also still two thousand eight. No, that was no, that, that was... would that have been two thousand. But again, no, it was like maybe twenty. <clears throat> yeah, two thousand nine or something. I started taking mm-hmm. photos. Yeah. Or t- two thousand ten, and it always feels like oh, like I I I only I've only been taking photos for a while. It's like no, you oh, you don't. didn't take photos for a year and a half, and then for another nine ten years you've been taking no longer than that now. Yeah. yeah. So I've I have a photo of me holding up every book that I've read or you've read or the two of us have read for like yeah. twelve years in a row. You should make a little. Little video clip of all the photos, like a photo like montage. A photo montage. Here's all the books I read. That, Here's twelve years of science fiction and fantasy uh, oh, reading. Twelve years of us aging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, so young and thin. Back in Aww, 2010, we I'm like so young cute. and thin and handsome. You're still handsome. Oh, thank you very much. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I I, anyway, I just wanted to finish off with that. Like yeah. re- things that I regret doing. I regret not taking photos at the start. Yep. But what I, I buy the the leading zeros. I don't regret. But maybe in another five, maybe in another fifteen years, on fourteen, fifteen years, and another five hundred episodes, I'm going to be like, oh, I should have put four leading zeros. But you don't never really start a project oh. thinking I'm going to be doing this in fifteen years, five hundred episodes in fifteen years time. I mean, now it's like kind of understandable, like because I, again. Now I've got to the point where other people who have been podcasting, like what I think of as like way shorter than me, it's sort of like, oh yeah, I was podcasting for years before they ever started. They've now got way more episodes than me, but yeah. they like in 10 years, they've got, they reached their 500 episode in 10 years. And for me, it took 14, 15 years. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's now not, it's not a weird thing to start a project and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to be doing this podcast for 10 years because now so many people have been doing podcasts for over 10 years and more than 500 episodes. Yes. And also I, if I would have started a project like that, uh, putting two leading zeros feels already quite pretentious and then putting in uh, four, yeah, feels, four that feels leading even zeros. comically, you know, if you start yeah. with something that's zero, 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 one, that is just too many zeros to to be for comfortable starting it like that yeah but if you think about it like how many books do i read in a year probably 50 so like 100 mm-hmm. you can get there in a few years if you read 50 books mm. whereas a thousand you're like yeah it is very presumptuous like oh yes of course i'm going to do 1000 uh, reviews of science fiction and fantasy books that i read yeah oh that's my other regret that's the other one that i wanted to mention because i just looked back as well i didn't start off uh, when i read like in the first year i read like eight or nine fantasy books and i didn't do an individual review of them okay and I 
I wish I'd have just done some reviews of those books because yeah. you know there's that, that would I know it would have just been best to include fantasy right from the start like science fiction book it's it is mostly science fiction but you know it, it I'd say it's like ninety percent science fiction maybe eighty five percent science fiction yeah although by reading this year well let's get in let's get into uh, Brandon <laughs> in Sanderson on the next episode <clears throat> right that's it. <clears throat> Uh, I think I think I want to wrap it up. You can email me Luke at juggler.net. You can also follow me on Twitter and uh, Juliana on Twitter. We're J U K U Berlin, and I'm Luke Burridge. We're those same things on Instagram too. Yes, but mostly... I'm also now this on uh, Mastodon. Mastodon. Oh yeah, because everyone's like oh, Twitter. Um, the thing is, I only follow like thirty people on Twitter, so Twitter yeah. hasn't changed for me except like two people yeah. aren't tweeting anymore. But it so... is depressing. Anyway, anyway don't need to talk about that. <laughs> don't need to talk about that. Um, let's go and on to Patreon. Oh, yes. Patreon, please thank, please and thank you. Go to patreon.com forward slash Luke Bird. You can support us monetarily. And if you support us at the, for one month, what is it? The, uh, you choose the topic level, which mm. I think is 25 euros. You get to pick the topic. In other yep. words, you get to suggest a book and we will read it. We reserve the right to say <laughs> we're not going to read something out, like we're not going to spite or hate read or rant read anything. Yeah. Like, I don't mind if it's short, but like, don't try and pick out a book yeah. just because it's, you think I'm going to shit on it from a great height. And we're also going to be honest with it. Like, if yep. we don't like the book, then we but just anyway, don't. <laughs> $25, if you support us at that level, or 25 euros or 25 pounds or whatever the level is, yeah. the, the you pick the topic level, you can check <laughs> it out on Patreon. Yeah, and also goodreads.com. Check out the Goodreads listener group, the books I would like to see reviewed stuff. That's mm-hmm. where I get a lot of recommendations from. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it. Become our friends on Goodreads too. Yes. You'll find, just search for us there. Luke Burridge, Juliana Kunzendorf. Yeah. You'll find us. Anything else? I just, I just remembered that I also currently have a book that I'm reading, but let's, oh, no, no. What let's is wrap it, it up no, what is it? It's the, uh, the third um, robot and monk book by oh, Becky right. Chambers. The third one, the second one. Uh, the uh, second, second one. Yeah, it's the follow-up book. Yeah, I think like there's only anyway, <laughs> yeah. okay, the second Anyway, Robot book, and Monk Part robot 2. And monk part two. Oh, that's another one of my regrets. What? Is letting you rate that book five stars because now it's listed among all the books that I rated five yes. stars. I'm going to knock it down. No, gonna average don't, it out. don't do that. Either way. Okay, um, thank you everybody for listening to this Psalm podcast. for the Wild Built. I just looked it up here. <clears throat> no, um, it's the second one, isn't it? Um, did you, by any means, like we were just wrapping it up, I know. Yeah, um, episode did, 500, we can talk you, about whatever we want. <laughs> Did you uh, recently look at the numbers again? You, you of have what numbers? How many people listen to this? No, I, 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 I just ha- no. I literally did that <clears throat> for the first three or four years. I've not checked listener numbers since two thousand and ten, like twenty ten. It's exactly I've that would be not, the, would be a good time no, to then look I'm, at. No, no, I don't want to do it. Okay. I don't do this to try and get. I've no, never no, no. done this. That's not. Never done that's any not promotion. Why I'm never tried to do it. That's anything not like why that. I'm asking. I'm just asking. For my own, nope, like I'm not going to tell just, you. Okay. Uh, nope. It just you, feels gonna, nope. it just feels funny just nope. sitting here talking and then nope. we uh, we putting do, it out I into don't the do ether. this. I don't do <clears throat> like if if literally twelve people listen to this episode. Yeah. I would still do this episode. Of course. If ten thousand, well, if ten thousand people, I think we'd have probably a few more <laughs> Patreon supporters. But look, we have enough listeners that yeah. people email me, give me book suggestions, get feedback, and that that's all I'm looking for. It Is never it, arrives. What here? What you don't? You just never tell. You sometimes say, "Oh, if this person." You says check something. out the you check I out the Goodreads. Know. 
Uh, here you go. Everybody go over to um, special the special episodes <clears throat> thread in the Goodreads uh, SFBRP listener group. and Say hi. And say hi to Juliana. <laughs> uh, just just for Juliana, just tell us, tell her, tell her that you're out there and that you're listening and that you uh, enjoyed this podcast. Anyway, that really is it now because yes. we've tried to wrap up four times now. Yes, that is it. I'm never looking into subscriber numbers or listener numbers. Okay. Actually, no, I there, must live with. There we are just, a few things. We just no, no, I just remember there's these services like called PodPress. No, not Pod, like Podbean or whatever like the things where people like a service where people can listen to the podcast Mm -hmm. and it's always like you've had 12 listens this month and i'm like oh great we've got like four people who use podbean or whatever you know there's a there's another one there's a there's one which is now amazon is like amazon podcast sign up for it and i looked and i was like i think i already did this like two years ago or whatever anyway so some i'm sure i could get numbers a lot and i do get emailed numbers from podbean and other you know podcasting services but I'm, i'm not interested in actually promoting it or it's, doing it's it. nothing about promotion it's nothing about i wouldn't do it for i don't need the validation and actually yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't want not, to know i don't want to for know me, it isn't about validation no, for me, I, just... I i have anti-curiosity i think my life would be worse okay. if number if there was a metric attached to how many people listen to this okay I could tell you if I remember the numbers from back in like 2010 or something like that. They're not helpful. I think anyway, but I think it's now. funny. There's more podcasts now. It would be now. fun if people actually say hi on Goodreads so that I know that there's people out there listening to us. Yep. Again, for the fifth time now, trying to finish up this really, we're 500 up, episode. We're wrapping up 500, 500 and a yeah, few episodes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's my other regret. I, I listed some as like something and I did this feedback show and I was like, this is a feedback show. So I put listed it as like 60 and a half and some others I put in something and a half episodes. Oh. Like we, we me and Jesse, I think, reviewed uh, Independence, the movie Independence Day. Yeah. And that was sort of like episode 128.5. And that th- it throws everything oh, up. It makes God. everything really oh, no. bad. I should so never have done might not actually be the 500 no it isn't actually the 500 because there are a few uh, there are a few episodes which is yeah what's that like 195 and a half independence day i was like back in 2013 why was i doing it as a half like why didn't i just like now when we do review movies we're it's just, just part like, of whatever it. it's just part of it yeah so yeah i that's my other regret thanks a lot for listening and we'll catch you next time goodbye <laughs>